Russia asked China for military and financial support to solve Ukraine war, and the U.S. said China is open to that. Sullivan's talk with Yang Jiechi in Rome yielded only disagreement. Russian army stalled over the weekend near Kiev. 700,000 people are infected in Hong Kong. Cities all over China reported fast increase of Omicron cases, which challenged the party's unique pandemic policy. Welcome to Wei and Kathy show. I'm your host, Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. All right. Okay. So... National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan's meeting Monday in Rome was originally meant to be a simple one as a follow-up to the U.S. President Joe Biden and uh, Chinese uh, Communist Party's General Secretary Xi Jinping's uh, nearly three-hour virtual summit in November. But it turned out to be a crucial meeting for both countries. So a little bit of a background. Over the weekend, Financial Times reported that uh, Russia has asked China for military and financial support for its war against Ukraine. But Financial Times doesn't know whether such support has been provided. So during an intense and seven-hour meeting in Rome on Monday, Jake Sullivan has substantial discussions with the Chinese top diplomat Yang Jiechi regarding the Russia-Ukraine war and the Russia's request for support. So after the Rome meeting, the statement from the Chinese Communist Party has no mention of any discussion on Ukraine or Russia. It merely quoted what Yang Jiechi said on the issue of Taiwan, Tibet, Xinjiang, which is Uyghur, and Hong Kong. This is just a you know, simple case for you to know that uh, after such a meeting, and each side write their own statement, and what is, you know, CCP is writing, okay, they, they just pretty much ignore most of the discussion on uh, Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia, and just mention just <laughs> things that are completely unrelated to that. Anyway, the U.S. side, however, sent a diplomatic cable to its allies in Europe and Asia, saying that China has conveyed a willingness to assist Russia, which has asked for military support. The cable also did not state defin definitively definitively that the assistance has been provided. So United States also warned in the cable that China would likely deny it was willing to provide assistance. And the U.S. warned China that no country can escape sanctions itself if it were to help Russia to invade, evade sanctions. Among the requests that Russia raised to the CCP is a, you know, it's an interesting case. Uh, let me share with you. It's a pre-packaged and a non-perishable military food kit. Such a kit in the U.S. military is called MRE, meaning meal ready to eat. Basically, you know, the meal for the soldiers you know, on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And the request underscores the, the basic logistic, logistical challenges that the military analysts and the officials say, officials say, have a stymied Russia progress in Ukraine, and it raises a question about the fundamental readiness of the Russian military. 
And there have been reports of Russian soldiers deserting their vehicles and asking for food from the Ukraine, Ukraine farmers. Other reports saying that uh, Russian troops broken into grocery stores in search of food as the invasion progresses. There were also reports about Russian soldiers opening up their food kit only to find the food has had expired in 2015. And over the weekend, there has been no clear progress. Of oh, the, the next one has the. Let's just stop here for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So basically, we, we let's just decipher the, the the move. Russia is asking for Chinese China's support, uh, mili in militarily and uh, financially. That request or the revealing of their request is quite uh, you know, it's very significant by itself. Mm -hmm. The reason is just think about this: if Russia has a smooth war. Okay, just progress as planned, and as the actually the Russian authorities claim. Okay, and they they would not do this type of move. And among the requests that they raise, one of them is just a food kit, the MREs, demonstrating that they don't have enough food prepared. So that's one thing. Okay, Russia is short of uh, basically food and uh, ammo and so on and so forth. But what's more important? The more, the more crucial issue here is this. Russia, ask China, ask CCP to give them military support in an explicit way. And the U.S. asks CCP, don't do it, otherwise you risk sanctions. And uh, so CCP is facing this request from both sides, and it actually virtually has no way to hide. It has to take side, mm -hmm. has to make a choice. Of course, if it were to make a choice to side with Russia, which actually is mine, he's already done so. One day before the Winter Olympics, and uh, Putin went to Beijing and sat down with uh, Xi Jinping and they signed 15 agreements and uh, also $120 billion on the oil export. So Xi Jinping already, my opinion, okay, if I put my commentator's head, Xi Jinping already promised Putin that it just go ahead will back you up, just like how it back up the, um, um, the, the North Korea, okay? And because why, why did he say, do that? Let me just show you that, like, uh, my understanding of the issue based upon all the, you know, more than 20 years living in China and another 20 years reporting China. CCP saw a great chance, okay? They want to, you know, just uh, poke Russia and Putin to attack, you know, Ukraine and create a havoc over there in Europe. And that way, China would have the leverage, because the war when it happened, China is sitting on the wall, sitting on the sideline, right? It has its uh, its uh, innate um, advantageous position. And uh, if Putin win, of course, that's great. Okay, I support Putin, and you win. You need to come back and and pay me back. And if put Putin lost, lose, then Putin will come to CCP for help. Mm -hmm. So either way, either way, CCP gains. So that's why Xi Jinping gave, gave uh, Putin a, the assurance that uh, our partnership has no limit. Okay, with that kind of backing, pushing, pull the trigger and, uh, and uh, you know, fire at uh, the Ukrainian people and start the war. But now, okay, the war got stuck. The progress is, you know, has been far from what Putin want. And... Uh, the entire Europe and the U.S. and NATO, and even the world, most part of the world, unified 
and uh, speak out against, speak out and, and act out, act against this uh, aggression. Now Russia is in deep trouble. And at this time, if Xi Jinping still choose to stand by Putin, it will get dragged into it. He will get dragged into it. He will drag himself, his son, you know, fall into the trap himself. That's the dilemma he faced, right? Mm -hmm. But if he did say no, he tried to keep a distance, well, what about the original promise? And then Russia would have no way to hold this kind of severe sanctions. Mm -hmm. So now I think the answer is this. I think Xi Jinping did a very good calculation initially and thought this is a great game to play. And it, it may end up with a terrible result for both Russia and uh, China and the CCP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I and they have no place to hide now. Right. So actually, it seems like since the beginning, even right bef even before the invasion started, uh, the Chinese Communist Party's um, um, you know information war already started mm -hmm. to aid um, Russia. Uh, you know that uh, actually, I saw a report from. Um, a uh, kind of a research company in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. It's called the Double Think Lab. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a, it has a chronically uh, recorded how the CCP's media and the social media rhetoric has been kind of um, cooperating with uh, Putin's uh, actions. And it shows how, you know, what the way you just explained how the uh, Chinese Communist government is kind of, uh, you know, initially uh, trying to instigate it, you know, aid uh, Russia. Then, you know, it tried to appear to be like on the side way, mm -hmm. uh, on the wall, you know, and uh, just manipulating the situation. So it's, it's quite interesting because it shows mostly how the CCP state-run media and the social media, uh, how it kind of, um, you know, use its uh, narr narratives and the rhetoric uh, to in this, uh, during this process. So if you're interested, you can take a look. It's called Double Think Lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that has been mentioned about the new access access forming in opposition to the American-led uh, efforts. However, in the meantime, the U.S. government, our administration, still don't, does not yet view the partnership between uh, China and Russia as the fully developed. Okay, but in name, they are kind of bound together very closely, mm -hmm. but in operation, not quite yet. <clears throat> yeah, and I just actually talked to a person who researched uh, China for many years. And uh, he said, uh, according to his research, mm -hmm. um, CCP and uh, Russia actually has not does may not have a deep roots, saying that uh, they would just run for help, the others mm -hmm. with each other. But for CCP, however, it can um, like get benefit from the situation. Mm -hmm. It will then get involved. Yeah. So. And as you remember that Soviet Union, when the, when the China when the China got taken over by the communists in 1949, okay, it was actually a satellite, uh, how to say, regime of the Soviet Union, okay. They are supposed to be in the same camp, but in the 1962 they broke off, okay. They they no longer align. They just fight even fought each other, okay. The reason is, you know, one is always jealous about the other, one is always uh, just to guard against the other, okay. Both wants to be the number one, wants to be the boss in the relationship. Okay, so they're, they're very suspicious about each other, and then now they bind together only because of the, this so-called common enemy. 
because of the West, they have the need to fight the West at the same time. That's they bind together. So that union is uh, is, is is faulty by itself. It's weak and vulnerable um, at a fundamental level. And uh, now, if if Russia failed the war, then what they got left with themselves is only in trouble because at this t at that time, China by align aligning with Russia, CCP has chosen to be standing on the opposite side, other side of the free world in the unambiguous way. Now it only become more and more unambiguous as time goes by. And this is something that um, actually CCP is very afraid of, but it seems that it's taking on that on the road of no return. They have no way to readjust that. They just keep going on until someday they stand on the other side of, of virtually most of the country in this world. And that's, uh, and in my, Understanding, okay, that's actually sensible, okay, because that that came from the evil nature of this regime, and uh, okay. Now some quick update of the development in Ukraine. First, the okay over the weekend, there has been no clear progress by the Russian army that is trying to attack Kiev, uh, the, the Ukraine capital, according to the U.S. Defense Department. However, more than thirty Russian cruise missiles targeted the sprawling training facility that is less than 15 miles from the closest border point with Poland. Okay, <clears throat> and then more than 35, uh, 35 people died from that attack. Also, nine people were killed in the missile attack on the TV tower near uh, Riven. Yeah, and the Riven is a northwestern Ukraine country, um, city, yeah. So as you can see, Russia's hitting targets in the West Ukraine alarmed the NATO. Mm -hmm. So National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that Sunday that uh, the U.S. will defend every inch of NATO territory in the wake of a Russian attack on Western Ukraine this weekend. So how to understand the Russians' uh, request and the uh, United States' demand upon the CCP? Yeah, that's something that we already um, discussed. And then now the next thing is about um, the crisis, humanitarian crisis, okay? As the war enters third week, okay, according to the United Nation, and uh, the number of the refugee that uh, fleeing Ukraine has reached uh, 2.7 million people. And the United Nation estimate that eventually, eventually 10, 10 million people will be fleeing the country. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this, this has become a, the, the fastest developing refugee crisis since the World War II in Europe. Okay, so that's the update. I don't know how you think about the war, how you think about, um, <clears throat> you know, the issues of uh, CCP's positioning. Okay, now it's, it's facing pressure from both Russia and the U.S., and they have to demonstrate um, their, their, their choice. And then if you ask me what's their choice, in their mind, of course, they want to side with Russia. And if you ask me, are they, gonna, are, are they going to substantially just uh, support Russia to its war? I say, yes. Why, do I, why am I so confident? Just think about North Korea. How can North Korea, under decades of uh, economic sanction, can still stand, stand, I mean, the regime? Because there's a back door mm -hmm. into China. China will open that back door to Russia. Okay, but on the um, basically on the surface, in terms of uh, rhetoric, in terms of the how to say positioning on the um, on the foreign relationship, they'll be very very careful. 
until someday they got they got caught you know, red-handed. But even so, our administration has to be very, very strong. Otherwise, they always say something and they do the other thing. It has been that way for virtually more than 70 years since it's, uh, you know, got, 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 the, got to rule China. Yeah, uh, Ronnie Lu said that the price of oil has dropped to $97 uh, dollars a barrel. Okay. Yeah, so the, yeah, the oil price did drop. Mm, mm-hmm. Which is good news. Right. So one of the reasons, some, I saw some analysts saying that uh, actually one of the reasons is because of the uh, re- research of the pandemic, um, research of the pandemic in China. Mm. Okay. Because China is uh, one of the largest consumer mm. of the energy, right? Yeah, so, so before we move on to the next topic, and uh, let me just uh, put a little context here, okay? Facing the pandemic, well, how to do with it? How to deal with it? You, we all know how we deal with it in the, in the, in the U.S. It's, uh, how to say, it's, it's, uh, it's not always uh, consistent. It's a back and forth. But basically, in general, you can say that we chose to live with the virus, right? But now, you know, especially that like most of people just realize that that's the that's a way yeah. to do to to get get out of it is to actually live with the virus. Yeah. Now, largely, we got this uh, herd uh, immunity, okay, and it, it, it seems that the Omicron is not able to really threaten us in the in the in a really hard hard way. The whole country is opening up. That's where we are today. But in China, that has been this always a different policy. Okay, and that policy was uh, chosen and uh, insisted. And also be touted by the Chinese uh, right. authority, saying that, uh, you know, China has the best way to deal with the pandemic and mm-hmm. has been very successful, even influenced some of the countries and regions to adopt not fully, but at least a part of its um, its measures. Mm-hmm. So, what is going on in China right now? And uh, uh, yeah, and this 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 policy is called the uh, Dong Tai Qingling. It's very hard to translate into well, maybe it's English. like a dynamic, dynamic zero, zero COVID policy. Yeah, basically just zero. No case is tolerated. Yeah, like once there is a new case, they identify new case, then the whole district or the whole city, even the whole province will have to, will be shut down, will have to go through, uh, everyone should go through the testing. Okay, so that's basically, it's called the dynamic zero COVID policy. And and they really tell it as, see, we're unique, that's why we're so safe. And uh, there are so, so, so few cases. Of course, with no, with no independent media, we don't know what's the real number of cases, but they tout it as such that uh, our no, basically no tolerance of any case is the best policy in this world. China's, Tight control yeah. is the way to go. Yeah. Basically, it's just, you know, trying to show the world. Yeah, did it that's work? That's the way to go. Yeah, did it work? That's the, you know, we have that, we sort of, uh, unfortunately, okay, we'll have the answer tonight. And um, yeah, Kathy. Okay, so now um, there is a resurgence of the pandemic in China. The country where COVID-19 or Wuhan virus or CCP virus, whatever you would like to call, uh, you know, originally emerged and spread throughout the world. So China has been suspected of concealing the true COVID numbers since the beginning of the pandemic. 
but uh, outbreaks have recently been reported in especially northern eastern, uh, northeastern provinces, and uh, Shanghai, and uh, also like um, the southern cities. But uh, overall, uh, around the country, there is a resurgence. So let's take a look at the case numbers. According to the Chinese government's National Health and Wealth Commission, the number of new infections per day continued to reach record high since the early 2020s after the Wuhan outbreak. And of, um, 1,437 new confirmed cases were reported nationwide on March uh, 13th. And, and uh, cu cumulatively, there are nearly 100 17,000 reported confirmed cases and uh, 4,600 deaths. It's still, so the death still remains as of uh, two years ago. Mm. Noted. Yeah, and it has been, um, you know, the government has been tracing a total of 1.8 million close contacts. Yeah, that's the policy mm -hmm. goes. So according to the um, CCP's National Health and Wealth Commission, by late February, China has vaccinated nearly 90% of its population with a total uh, about uh, nearly 3.2 billion doses of vaccinations. And mostly it's the uh, China-made, Chinese-made uh, uh, Corona vac. Mm -hmm. Cushing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so what, what are the measures that uh, CCP took? It's quite extreme, okay? Some local governments are taking emergency measures such as locking down cities, entire cities, to control the outbreak. And most of the new cases were concentrated in the northeastern province of Jilin. On the March 11th, after two new cases and 21 uh, asymptomatic infections were reported, the city of Changchun, the capital of the Jilin province declared a city closure and imposed a lockdown on more than 9 million residents. Okay, this is what they can do. <clears throat> they can do that any moment. Shutting down work classes and the buses and the people were asked to stay home with one person per household going out every two days to purchase food and other necessities. The city implemented three full rounds of COVID testing. On March 14th, the whole Jilin province declared a provincial closure. Okay, just uh, what we said was uh, just the uh, capital, city. capital city. And then a few days later, uh, on March 14th, the whole province is closed, shut down. And uh, it issued an announcement that the province's uh, 24 million people must not leave home. They are forbidden to move privately across the region. And uh, if they were to wish to leave the province, they have to register at the local police station. The government announcement ends with a warning that people who violate the rules and move across the regions will be held accountable by the disciplinary and the public security authorities in accordance with the law of the PRC on the so-called prevention and the control of infectious diseases and other laws and regulations. If we move the time back a few days, on March 11th, students claim, uh, claiming to be, the, to be from the Jilin College of Agricultural Science and Technology 
reported on social media that the school had, has been, had been hiding the outbreak without reporting it. So many students had to, had to follow the school's arrangement and stay in their dormitories without the food and the supplies of necessities. Video uploaded to the, uh, the China's social media angrily denouncing the school's uh, improper prevention and control. One video showed that uh, those infected students had to lie on a desk in the library with no place for, for isolation and placement. And according to the news report, the outbreak was deliber deliberately concealed and not reported by the school. Eventually, the local authority mobilized 300 local businesses, uh, businesses and transported 6,500 six, students um, on the March, 20, uh, March 11. On the same day, the Jilin provincial government issued an announcement that the secretary of the university's party committee had been removed from his post. Okay, so what does that mean? What do you read from that? It, you know, under such strict uh, regulation, if a place, say, for example, the college, that university, right, mm -hmm. they, it seems to do, they had a, a kind of a, a local outbreak, mm -hmm. but the, you know, the, the leader in the university just so afraid that they didn't report mm -hmm. and they just concealed the situation and, uh, you know, just uh, restricted the students to go out and, uh, and with, you know, even to the extent that they don't really have the necessities. Mm -hmm. but eventually, the news get out. Actually, there were social media, like the parents are just crying, mm. you know, just saying why they just don't tell, you know. Mm. So eventually, the, um, the university's uh, CCP um, committee head was removed. Mm. Eventually, he was punished. Okay. Yeah, he was trying to, try to invade, you know, avoid, avoid the punishment. Mm -hmm. So that's what happening under such kind of a zero COVID policy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the, it's, it's really, an, it's, an, it's very familiar, right? Way. Yeah. It's like in the Cultural Revolution and the um, Great Leap uh, era. Mm -hmm. the, because the on the top, from the top down, it has such kind of a quota or restrictions, then, you know, the people under, underneath, they just uh, yeah, lie actually, yeah, and they, conceal situation. Yeah, essentially they were pressured to lie, okay, which only grow the, you know, grow the problem in the meantime. So if you look at Shanghai, the financial hub of China used to be a model city in controlling the pandemic with the so-called uh, precision prevention, that's Shanghai's way rather unique, okay, different from this zero policy, and uh, which seems to be effective. However, the Shanghai Municipal Health Commission reported 41 new confirmed cases and 128 asymptomatic uh, infections in on Sunday. This is a serious breach of the control for Shanghai. So in the more than two years since the outbreak in Wuhan, China, in early 2020, Shanghai has been very different from other provinces and the cities in mainland China. They insisted on their policy called uh, uh, precision prevention, not the dynamic zero COVID policy. It seemed to be effective, but, uh, uh, but the, in the, during the two years, the cumulative confirmed case as reported in Shanghai was just over 400. But just in the past one month, it added 300 more. Mm -hmm. So um, the Shanghai healthcare 
Commission itself criticized that uh, the management oversight triggered these infla- infections and led to the transmission. And uh, so what did it do? It, it, it um, just uh, con- it will conceal entire residential or business building. We'll conceal never off. Conceal off, yes. Um, entire residential or business building whenever there is a confirmed uh, case. And uh, uh, the Chinese website have reported some, like uh, apartments uh, has been, or the hotels has been uh, urgently requisitioned by the government on the ground of um, pandemic prevention without any prior notice um, or rehousing plan. And the residents were just forced to leave um, and as soon as possible. So other cities also have imposed strict restrictions. So for example, Shenzhen, which is the tech hub in southern China, announced on March 13th a lockdown for the whole city for seven days. And the next day, uh, Dongguan, which is the manufacturing city neighboring Shenzhen, also imposed a similar lockdown. Mm. And uh, the iPhone manufacturer okay, in China has been has facing this lockdown too. Yeah, Fox. Which- yeah, Foxcom. Foxcom, which we could feel the impact a few days later, um, sometime down the road. And so what's the resurgence reason? Okay, And the local health uh, uh, officials in China said that the, the, the surge in cases were caused by the more contagious but less symptomatic variants of Omicron. And China has been sticking to its so-called dynamic zero COVID policy to try to contain the outbreak. And uh, its numbers are much smaller than those of the other most countries in the world suspected to conceal the number, of course, but the rapid increased number uh, in numbers constitutes a new setback to this very policy that the party felt very proud of. However, the CCP's uh, Premier Li Keqiang on March 11th still defended such policy at a press conference at the end of the National um, uh, People's Congress, saying that China's decision of such policy is based on science while seeking to ensure a smooth supply chain. So t- let's take a look at Hong Kong. So actually, you know, we reported to you already, Hong Kong just had a, such a big surge, and now oh, about uh, 700,000 people got infected. And there's a surge of the death as well. According to the public health department in Hong Kong, most of the death are elderly over 65 who are unvaccinated. So, you know, in Hong Kong, actually, there's also a very high percentage of vaccination. But as you can see, um, for the uh, people, the elderly, especially 80 and up, the vaccination rate is less than 55%. So why is such a so low rate for the elderly? Because one thing is, according to you know the people in Hong Kong, the so-called dynamic zero code policy seems to have keeping the cases very low. So people were thinking, you know, it's maybe it's working. And on the other hand, people were concerned that the elderly, you know, the risk of the vaccines may outweigh the benefits. So the basically, the Hong Kong government, while they promoting the vaccine, they are not really focusing on the age group that they should have been focused on. So when the Omicron outbreak began sweeping Hong Kong in January, there are still 
like uh, 500,000 people over 70s uh, in Hong Kong who have not been vaccinated. And Hong Kong's crowded residential areas and, and the nursing homes have become the hardest hit, with about 60% of the death coming from this, the, that area. And uh, Karen Grampin, and uh, she, um, she's the associate professor at the University of Hong Kong's School of Public Health. And she said, we are not doing enough to protect our most vulnerable citizens. So Hong Kong has uh, one of the highest life expectancies in the world with a life expectancy of uh, uh, almost 83 years for men and 88 years for women in 2020. About 60,000 elderly people live in nursing home in Hong Kong. Some seniors live in dormitory-like uh, rooms and use uh, communal um, bathrooms, while the number of uh, caregivers is decreasing as more people are contracting the virus. So nearly 87% of Hong Kong's 800 nursing homes have had an outbreak of Omicron. The outbreak is still spreading because there's not enough space for proper isolation of infected people. Mm -hmm. So what's the Hong Kong government's measures? Uh, previously, Hong Kong tried to deal with the outbreak through strict travel restrictions and uh, quarantine measures. As the number of the infections rapidly increased, the um, helpiness uh, when the, the help lines. The help line, yes, when unanswered, okay? And, ambu and, and ambulance, ambu ambulances uh, took hours to arrive, and hospitals were overcrowded, and the, the morgues were nearly full. So Hong Kong government's policy has been really criticized by the healthcare um, experts, and uh, they are just urging the government to uh, have an exit plan from the dynamic zero COVID policy, just like Singapore. So what's Singapore's case? Singapore, they slowly open up the most uh, sus you know, susceptible groups. Uh, yeah, let me just re 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 uh, re yeah, do it again. Reword re it. So in Singapore, they just focus on the most susceptible groups like the elderly uh, for the vaccination. So once they have uh, like, uh, um, I think, uh, oh, there are actually reports saying that uh, by mid-February, vaccination rate in Singapore exceeded 90% for the people age of 70 and up. So once they achieve that, they slowly open up the society and the business. So Singapore's uh, COVID death rate per million people was about only one thirteenth of that of uh, Hong Kong, according to Oxford University's uh, statistics. So the Hong Kong SAR launched a vaccination program last February with target of a vaccination rate for over 70%, but there was no prioritize for the elderly when the government announced that the age, uh, the age group will be expanded for the vaccination, they actually prioritized to give the young people aged 12 to 17. And uh, recently they said, oh, it's open up to uh, lower the age to three for the vaccination. Mm -hmm. So that's really the problem. The other problem is um, the most of the vaccines in Hong Kong was uh, well, what we said, it's a Corona vax. 
it was uh, produced in China. So, and the, there are studies showing that uh, actually this type of vaccine failed to improve protecting against Omicron variant. Mm. Okay, and the study suggests that the people who have received the, the coxing vaccine should re receive another vaccine. The study showed that after a third dose of the messenger, the RNA vaccine from bio, biotech in Germany, people who have previously received the Corona vac intact have had significantly higher levels of antibody protection against Omicron. And while the mechanism by which the, the, the Corona vac fights uh, Omicron is not yet clear, the preliminary results are a blow to those who receive the vaccine. The CoronaVac is one of the most widely administ administered vaccines in the world, with more than 2.3 billion um, doses shipped, most of which are used in China and the developing countries. So the way of uh, with of um the wave of deaths in Hong Kong has, you know, should be a wake up call for mainland China because uh, in China it's the same case. Um, on the other countries like uh, Japan, it shows that uh, for the age group of um, from between 60 to 80s, their vaccination rate just uh, between 67% to 90, almost by 95%. The older age, the vaccine vaccination rate is higher. So, uh, but uh, in China, what's the case? According to the National Health and Wellness Commission, they acknowledge that in comparison, the proportion of vaccination rate for uh, in China, uh, in China's elderly population is relatively low. Some provinces and the cities have a vaccination rate of less than 30% for the elderly's uh, population over 80 years old and less than 50% for the people who are over 70 years old. Yeah, so we, th we went through a lot of details and uh, the purpose is to show you that uh, how things are in China. Actually, we try to show you that, you know, the in China, a vaccine policy or a pandemic policy is not really just a medical policy. It's a policy has to do with so-called the politics, has to do with the correctness of the party and the and the party want everybody to believe the party is always right. Yeah, and it's a it's a political um, ordeal, you know, like a duty for the polit uh, for the party. So I will show you very short two videos. Okay, it happened uh, one. The first one is happened in Xi'an, which mm -hmm. we reported in January. It had a, a research. So this video shows that actually uh, in the neighborhood uh, there's a, a pandemic prevention officer. So the residents was asking, you are not allowed me to go, and, go out and eat. And uh, then the officer was replying, no, replying, no food. Okay. And uh, the citizen asked, what should I do if I die of hunger? Then the officer just said, I have nothing to do with that. So yeah, let's show Z1. So the person was asking, you know, what if I died? And then the person, the officer just said, uh, you know, you, you, if you don't have the pass to go out, 
then you just cannot go out. If you die, there's nothing to do with me. Another video uh, showing it's a it's in a in a residential district in Xi'an. So the um, the person was uh, the officer was uh, uh, using a, a large microphone. Uh, you know, telling everybody, as long as there is a growing, uh, just a one piece of rice left in your home, you do not go out. As long as there is a drop of cooking oil left in your home, then you just stay at home and do not show your head. And he continues saying, as long as there is a one onion left in your home, you do not come out to the supermarket. As long as there is uh, one piece of bread you left at home, then you stay at home and guard your position. And uh, this is to show your you know, contribution to the party. So this type of uh, official propaganda uh, against uh, the pandemic, you know, it's just really um, criticized by the netizens as inhumane. But uh, it just happened all over in China. Yeah, so now you got a taste of uh, what, how communists work, and um, yeah, hopefully we never have to experience that ourselves. All right, that would be all for tonight, eh? Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. Yeah, so do you want to show any, uh, read out any comments or? Um, yeah, let's take a look. So, Yeah, Larry, you said uh, Larry Dooley, like here in the U.S., it's all about the power, nothing to do with the real science. Yeah, similar, only more thorough, okay? And, um, yeah, so basically they can just think about it. There's a city we mentioned probably, you know, just um, um, quickly, and uh, like shutting down Shenzhen. Shenzhen is a major, major tech hub, huge city. I don't know how many people they have. Maybe you can check that at this mm -hmm. time. Maybe 10 million people. 10 million people. They shut it down overnight. All the high-tech production, everything just shut down for seven days. It just pause, stop. And would that hurt Chinese economy? Of course. Would that hurt the, the world's economy? Of course. Yeah, it's for, by the way, Shenzhen has uh, about 12.6 uh, uh, million people. It's a huge, it's a gigantic city. It just shut down just like that. Uh, but they still shut it down. Even it hurt China's economy. Why? Because the supreme leader has to be right. The supreme leader is saying that zero, zero case policy. That shows the advantages of the socialist system. It become a national pride. It become a, a pride of the party. So no matter what, what's the cost, they shut it down. This is how ridiculous the socialists can come to. And, and you can imagine that the world will be you know, ended with, it will end, end it in, in trash. Because they, they, they just have this way of working that will trash itself, trash the economy. And um, again, so we show you this and we just hope that we, we, you, just, you just heard the story, okay? You never have to live through the, that, right? That's, yeah. that's our entire purpose. Yeah, and when we see some, you know, policies maybe here, um, you know, hopefully it will remind you, you know, what, how, it, you know, it will be similar to what's in China, communist China. Uh, James, uh, California said uh, a consolidated effort to bring the West under totalitarian policies the government. Yeah, actually, we unfortunately we see that we have seen that 
the policies that the Chinese Communist government has enacted had more or less some influence in the Western country, in some of the Western countries. Mm -hmm. So that's why we actually we wanted to, you know, show a lot of details, share a lot of details of what's happening in China with you, so that um, uh, you will be more alert when you saw, you know, similar things or uh, policies in a lesser, uh, to the lesser extent, appears locally or, you know, in our federal level. Uh, but when, you know, it's, you know, there are signs that you can watch out. Yeah, okay. So, wow, gosh, I think, um, I think, uh, let me see. Oh, <laughs> Hollis is asking again, is there a joke? <laughs> Holly, you're always there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, putting the pressure on, on, on okay, uh, on me. And actually, okay, Kathy sent me a, a, a joke. Uh, yeah, I, today, right? Okay, yeah, so you want to... It's, it's very well understood in Chinese, but let me try it in English. You know, in China, in the Beijing, there's this memorial, right? Memorial, this uh, Mao Zedong. The Mao Zedong is the, you know, chairman of the... Che uh, yeah, the, the first C supreme leader of the CCP. Mao. 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 He was, you know, he was there, right? He's, uh, how to say, what's the word? Ma ma mommy, mommy nice. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's a dry body just sitting in, the, in, the, in the, this crystal, how to say, coffin, all right? Always for people to adore and things like that. So there's a kid, there's a boy, and, and he's with his mom also visiting a memorial. Okay, this is a joke in China, okay? And uh, they cannot be too explicit. So a Chinese boy and his mother visit a memorial, and he saw this mummy-shaped kind of body in the, in, the, in the crystal coffin. So the boy asked the mother, mother, why doesn't this body, you know, um, rot? The mummy said, because he's a, he's a big official. He has a lot of power and a lot of money, so he bought a lot of uh, junk food. So he eats so much uh, preservative, okay? So that's why when he dies, it does not, does not rot. And uh, <laughs> a little too quick, okay? The boy said, well, junk food is so... So scary, I would never eat junk food anymore. Mother just nod, okay? You said that right. However, this person who eats the junk food is, is even more scary than the junk food themselves. And uh, the boy asked why? And he said, because this, this is a junk person, okay? The country, he lead this country, the, the country will eventually become a junk country. So the boy said, mom, I would never like to live in the junk country. The mom said, study well, be diligent. In the future, you can emigrate. Emigrate. You can move to the Move to the United States. Okay, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they have to talk in a very implicit way, right? Yeah, subtle way, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, I think one, in one way is that uh, the mom really tried to uh, motivate the kid to study, English, study well. English well. First, not to eat junk food. Second, study well and uh, immigrate. And that's actually, I think it's, it's, it's telling the truth. In, yeah. A lot of, in China, just people still, although the party um, told people that uh, you cannot admire United States, it's our enemy, but a lot of people just think you have to, you know, for their kids, you, one day you need to go to the United States. Yeah, let me tell you a real story, okay, <clears throat> about how Wei came to the university, uh, 
came to the U.S. So in, in, in the, in, in the 80s, 1980s, I was in college in Shanghai. And my father, my father is a college professor, <clears throat> so he came to the U.S. as a visiting scholar, okay? So he stayed there for like five months, mm -hmm. okay, with every day those little, little allowance. He saved every single dollar, okay? Every single penny, probably. Every single penny, not dollar. Every single dime and every, every single penny, because every penny you time it how many, many times, like six or ten times. And then he went back and bought a refrigerator and bought a laundry machine and uh, color television and so on and so forth, which we did not have. So just overnight, like after half a year, half a year our, how to say, our home got modernized. We got, we got all the gadgets. <laughs> like a refrigerator. Yeah, so my, my, my father, just like the mom would talk to me here, and wrote me and said, said something very subtle. He said that the other country, he said the other country, their civilization is the main thing, not other things. Just like that. Their civilization is, is the main thing, not other things. What okay. do you mean by other It things? means the U.S. The civilization is great, <laughs> not how we criticize the U.S. to be. Yeah, yeah. I also wanted to share in this case. So uh, I, wait a second. So uh -huh. I took that in and I understood because we are talking, you know, in this... Uh, how to say implicit language. So I understand, my father wanted me to go to the U.S., just like the, little, the, the mother told the boy. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up, ended up here. You know how I was um, brainwashed, how severely I was brainwashed when I was like age of five-year-old mm -hmm. uh, in relation to this topic. I still vividly remember uh, one day at the dinner table when I was really like a five-year-old, around five years old, my mom was like, um, saying to me, mm. you know, she's calling my nickname and saying, you know, just to eat more because I didn't like to eat at that time, right? Just you have to eat well and you study well and one day you will go to the United States to study, you know, for your further, uh, you know, study. Education? Yeah, education. <clears throat> and uh, you know how I responded? Mm -hmm. I was like, no way, that's our enemy. I will never go there. Mm. That's a five-year-old, when I was five-year-old. And my, in my thinking, I was, you know, from, you can say it's from nowhere, but now I know where it came from. It's from the propaganda. I was thinking, you know, United States is our enemy and I will never come to here. And today, you know, we are here and uh, just totally understood how people in China were brainwashed. Mm. Okay, um, hope this will, um, Holly, this will, this would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, I think, yeah, he liked it. And another question saying, is this a Hong Kong show? No, it's not a Hong Kong show. We are, for our first um, viewers here, we, we and Kathy are here in San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, we are the uh, immigrants from mainland China uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and uh, yeah, and... Uh, Another uh, uh, Lee Mama Rick said we are lucky to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, lucky yeah. to have you. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. That would be all for tonight. Thank you very much for staying with us. Remember to click the like and um, and the subscribe. Make sure you are subscribed. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe. Sometimes you got unsubscribed by. by <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you okay. Know. Okay. All, all right. right. Take, take care. care. Have a good night. Bye bye. Yeah. See you after two days. <laughs>